Welcome into the first episode of River City Podcast. This is Matt Nerland along with Alan Barrera Flores uh, here on River City Podcast. We're going to meet once a week and break down the uh, the, the week of the NBA. Uh, obviously, it's the first week of the season, so we're going to discuss this first week. And also, we're going to end every podcast with, uh, with King's Corner because this is a Sacramento podcast, River City Podcast. And so, yeah, we're going to get started. We're really excited. Uh, thank you all to whoever's listening. Uh, Alan, you got anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, I just uh, want to add on to what you mentioned. So we are trying to have an episode at least once a week. And usually uh, we're going to try to have a game playing in the background. Just uh, most of the time we'll try to work our schedule around and and uh, record while watching a Kings game. But if, you know, just our schedule doesn't work or whatever the case is, uh, we'll try to find whatever game seems like it's going to be the most exciting for the week, and we'll record then. And if anything exciting or anything cool happens during the game, we'll just fill you guys in. Um, but other than that, uh, we can just get started with our first topic, which is uh, the most impressive team uh, for for the, the first week of the NBA. Or, that sounds or, good. Yeah, and... You know, when we were doing the schedule for this week, I think a, a plan was to do a segment on the Christmas games, but I, I don't know if anyone was watching those, but it was a snooze, it was a lot of blowouts, so we're going to jump right in. Most impressive team thus far for me, it's the Brooklyn Nets, and I don't think it's close. The Brooklyn Nets have been dominant um, right now, they're in a tight one, I believe, but up until this point when this podcast is recorded, they're 2-0. They've looked really sharp. They were sharp in the preseason, were blowing teams out. And really, I think what's most important, obviously, it's so early in the season, not not getting too caught up with wins and losses, you know, only two games in. But Kevin Durant looks like Kevin Durant. And I I, I think he was the best player when he got injured in the in the league, and that includes LeBron James. I know that might be kind of a hot take, but he's looking so good, so smooth. Dinwiddie is fitting in so well, and I think he's the key because he's the one who's going to be taking a back seat and has been kind of a lead ball handler in the past. And he's finding his his spots in the complementary role, and then Lavert's coming off the bench and kind of able to cook. Right. Uh, the only worry is Kyrie Irving. And how do you how do you feel? Do you feel like he's going to fit well with this team as the season progresses, or is he going to start another dumpster fire like he has for teams like the Celtics in the past? Um, I think um, I agree with everything you said. Obviously, Kevin Durant, we weren't sure what he was going to look like coming back from injury like that, but so far he's looked like just Kevin Durant, and everyone knows what that is. He's just going to take over the game. He's going to dominate. He's, he's pretty much unstoppable. Um, as far as Kyrie, if he sticks to what he knows and just plays the game, he's top two point guard in the league in my opinion. Top two. Yeah, who's I would your, say who, so. Who's your – is he two? Is he one? And who's your one? He's probably two. And at, at this point, uh, one, maybe Dame. I know he's sort of struggled. Look, look, we might have to, we might have <laughs> to end the podcast right there. So you're, you're telling me right here while, while it's recording that Stephen Curry is the third best point guard? That's to me. That's slander. That's absurd. What, <laughs> and and that Kyrie is better. Kyrie, the you know the lunatic we've seen. I, I don't I, know how I can 
Please defend your take. I Please just think, defend your I just take. think they're uh, at different stages of their career. If you look at it, just a, a comparison in age, Kyrie's so, sort of still coming in as prime, He's whereas um, Steph is in the, the latter part of his, his prime years, I think. Um, the team that he has around him right now isn't much of a supporting cast, I would say, and that is sort of... I think it sort of adds on to his struggles. I mean... Stuff's gonna be stuff, but um, with the with the players he's got around him, I don't think he that it's enough to sort of showcase his skills right now. The Warriors have struggled the first two games. I don't want to get any further into this because I I think Steph Curry is and look, this is being recorded. He's the best point guard of all time. No knock on Magic Johnson. I think he's the best point guard ever. So let's move <laughs> on. Who do you have as the most impressive team? in the first week of the NBA. I, I just wanted to add one more thing as far as the Nets, and I think you sort of uh, talked about it. We we did talk about KD and, and Kyrie, but the other thing to highlight is the the, the depth. They have a, a really deep nice. team. So, um, I mean, I think I would agree as far as more most impressive um, overall, but to me, and I think maybe I have a small market bias just because I'm a Kings fan. Of course. So I want to highlight uh, when whenever a small market team um, does well. And in this case, I think for me, it's been the magic. Um, they started the season, what, 2-0? and I know they have a game today. I'm not really sure how that's going. But um, the, the reason for that is, um, like I said, many of these small market teams, even though you know they, they, they get on good little streaks here and there, um, they don't really get much media attention. So I wanted to, to bring that up. And another thing is uh, one of the players that I'm, I've root, rooted for the most since they came into the league is Markel Fultz. Mm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad to, to see him doing well. Um, he sort of uh, got into injury trouble the uh, first couple years in the league, but it looks like he's sort of starting to, to find his path in the league. And um, I think he's got a good little supporting cast there that, you know, maybe a they... A lot of good pieces. Yeah, they might not end... Um, you know, top four or five in the in the Eastern Conference, but I think they can make a, a playoff push. I don't and, see why not. And with the playing tournament, um, similar to last year, I think they they might have a chance to sneak in there. So, uh, so far, I think they've um, they've been putting up good games. And then uh, I I've also liked uh, Cole Anthony. Love loved what I've seen from him, especially in the preseason. Just not afraid of anyone. That guy really not. Yeah, and and for a small market team. Um, because it's sort of harder to bring in free agents like that, right. it's nice to see them land a, a solid draft pick. It, it looks like he's gonna he's gonna um, be able to help them out here and there. So, excuse me. It's it's nice to see them uh, sort of doing well, and hopefully they can carry that uh, momentum that they got going forward. I mean, like I said, they're playing tonight, and I'm not really sure how that's going. But um, I'll give us a score check in. But finish your thought. Yeah, but other than that, I think I've I've been impressed and happy to see them sort of uh, start start the season on the right foot. And I got that score check. Uh, the Magic just beat the Wizards one twenty to one thirteen, and the Wizards are really struggling early on, but still definitely a good win for a Magic team that's now three and zero. Three and zero, baby. So, good call by you on that one. All right, so now that we talked about the most impressive, um, let's, let's uh, go ahead and talk about the least impressive uh, so far. Who do, you, who do you got? This is going to be probably my shortest segment of the podcast. Uh, the Clippers lost by 50 earlier today, <laughs> and it seems like none of their offseason moves have helped them get any better. And uh, 
No shots to Luke Kennard or Marcus Morris, but shots to Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris. Who is your least impressive team that first this first week of the NBA? I agree with you the uh, with the Clippers take there. Um, I mean, they, they did get a win so far. I think they're one and two, but it, it hasn't looked pretty. Um, Kawhi didn't play today, but that doesn't give him an excuse to lose by, what, 50, he said? Uh, no team has an excuse yeah. to lose by 50. <laughs> so, um, and, I mean, we we had a lot of uh, Paul George talk over, over this break. It seemed like he sort of was... He was uh, looking sharp. He was looking really, really sharp. He was looking like a, a new player. But, uh, yeah, it looked like he struggled again today. Hopefully that doesn't sort of carry forward to these next couple games for them. But, um, yeah, they're not looking good. Um, I think for me, I want to stick with the West Coast teams. and I'm going to go ahead and say the Nuggets. They started out – Yeah, they started out 0-2. Um, they lost to um, Kings' first game and then uh, actually Clippers' second. So um, I think that was a team that I was expecting to sort of make a jump this year just because – they they've been pretty solid the last couple of years and I and I I do like uh, Michael Malone as their head coach I think he's a solid coach and he's had them go in the right direction um, I was thinking that maybe with now the the core of that team having more years uh, together they might have better chemistry and you know just be able to play better together but it hasn't looked that way and I think one of the reasons why is um, Jamal Murray's been struggling. Um, and he's, that, he's a big part of that offense, and when he's not hitting shots, that offense goes from really well-spaced to kind of poorly spaced, especially running stuff through Jokic, who's not your typical point guard creator. He's playing it out of the paint, adds to some clogged lanes. And I think that's one of that's been one of the knocks on, on Murray so far in his career is he's he hasn't been very consistent. Super streaky. Obviously, we've seen him um, have really good games, especially – uh, in the bubble last last season, he he was going off, but the thing is, is like he has really high uh, peaks and then really low valleys with his Very game. Um, I watched the game against that they had against the Kings, and uh, I think he had like nine points, and then he fouled out uh, before yeah. the game was over. So, um, not a good look. Um, he just got a an extension, and um, he sort of had talks there. Uh, coming out and saying that he wanted to be looked at as a, a superstar, but with... with um, Superstars do it every night. Yeah, that's and the thing. I, I think the tough thing with Murray and what makes him so fun to watch is his tough shot making. And for him to make that next leap into that kind of consistent superstar is he needs to find a way to, to consistently get easier shots, get free throws, get easy buckets. Um He's such an amazing, tough shot maker, but really makes it hard for himself. And when the shots aren't falling, these tough, you know, off-the-dribble threes that he's so good at, he doesn't really have a plan B. And that, that's, where, that's where the inconsistency lies. And he's still young. We'll see if he's able to add that to his game. Right. And then I think as far as um, him considering himself a superstar or wanting people to see him in that way... Uh, we we tend to see a lot of guards that can just score like he can. So, Very true. So I I don't know if um, him uh, being one of those guys that you know can just put the the ball in the basket so easily. I don't know if that sort of puts him in that tier because, um, like like we've said, he he's struggled um, to keep that consistency. And then um, I think every t- every team has at least one of the one guard that can just fill it up. Right. 
So right. for him to take that next step, he has to sort of develop something that is unique to his game that no one else can stop and um, and then sort of just uh, try to be more consistent. I think that's that's sort of where um, where he struggles. But other than that, I mean, hopefully the Nuggets can, can uh, right the ship, but uh, so far it hasn't been looking good. I think they, they're playing today, but... Uh, Nuggets didn't play today. Let's see when their next game is. They they're playing the Rockets tomorrow night. That'll be a good test. That's a that's a game they should win. Especially yeah. we'll get into that later with a lot of Rockets turmoil. Let's see if they can right the ship. So, all right. So now that we've talked about uh, most and least impressive teams so far, um, we want to switch gears and talk about uh, the rookies. So I guess we can just start with talking about who's been the most and least impressive rookies so far. So, Matt, who do you got? So, my most impressive rookie is Precious Achua. 20th pick to Miami, a team that is extremely deep and obviously was in the finals last year. A a, a great team, a lot of depth, and he's playing right away, and he's playing well. Um, I didn't see him coming into this team and playing right away, especially because he did only have one year of college experience under his belt. But his energy, activity, and athleticism is translating right away. Uh, he's averaging, it's just been two games, he's averaging 10 points and three rebounds. But it's really the eye test. He's, he's bringing energy, and he's bringing flexibility on defense. And it really uh, shown for him in the Christmas game, he was guarding both Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And the ability for a forward to... Switched between those two, and he was he was locking up both of them, and both are all you know, all star maybe fringe all NBA pros, prospects, and he was guarding both of them, and then on offense he's not doing anything you know that that's outside of his skill set. He's shooting seventy two percent from the field. He's just finding his role. He's carving it out with energy and defense. And he's doing what really all rookies should do until they can grow into that bigger role. And he's doing it in an organization that is great at developing talent. I love how he's played, and I love his future with this organization. And I think they got a real steal in a generally weak draft at the 20th pick. Have you liked what you've seen from Precious? Um, yeah, I have. Like you said, he's... he's um... He's been doing the dirty work, I would say, playing defense, trying to earn his minutes, and I think he's a good fit with uh, what they got going on over there. Um, hopefully, he starts to develop uh, his offensive game, but I'm sure in the first couple of seasons, we'll, we'll be seeing him like as an energy type, type of guy. Um, so yeah, I think, I think he's, he's fitting real well, and like you said, at the 20th pick, um, it's kind of hard to to see someone come in and, and make an impact right away. Right. And that that's what I find so impressive. Um, you know, Pat Riley, Eric Spolster, they keep getting it done. Developing and drafting later in the draft. Really impressive pick. Who's your most impressive rookie this I first think, week of the season? I think I'm going to have to go with the first pick, Anthony Edwards. All right. Um, One of my uh, a fan favorite, especially <laughs> if anyone's on NBA Twitter. That guy's a... Quite a character. He's a funny yeah, guy. Yeah, and I think it, the thing is is he just doesn't seem phased. He's just out there balling, and I, I don't think uh, people expected him to be um, so just, I think, ready for the situation. He, obviously, he's coming off the he's coming in off the bench, which I think is good because you don't want to just, well. yeah, you don't want to just throw him out there and, and have him sort of try to lead the team. You know, he's, he's a young guy, so 
Uh, him coming on, coming in off the bench sort of takes some pressure off of him. But he's come in and he's he's lit it up. I mean, he's averaging 16.5 points a game and shooting the ball real well, 54% roughly. Um, so I, I, I'm actually happy to see that because um, it, it's nice to have, you know, exciting guards come in and, you know, sort of just take over. And I, and I hope he can do that. Um, the 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 T Wolves uh, I think started two and zero so so that's that's um good to see they got a good little core uh, there with Cat and uh, D'Lo and if um Anthony Edwards can get into the mix and they got something something big um uh, building up there um, other than him scoring um, <laughs> nothing else has looked too special I, I don't think he's he's been um, getting too many rebounds or assists or anything like that. But as a sixth man or however they're using him, I mean, you want him to come in and score. So, so far, I think he's he's done what he's supposed to. And, and with the first pick, I think he, he's he's done a solid job. I, I totally agree. And, you know, you're saying he's impressive even though he's the first pick. But let's understand this draft was not extremely strong. This isn't like Ben Simmons coming in or LeBron James. Anthony Edwards was a solid prospect. He ended up being picked number one overall. But he's impressing despite – where he was drafted, which is obviously number one overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do disagree on one thing. I don't think the Timberwolves have something special. I don't think it's a well-put-together team. I think D'Lo and Towns are not, not cornerstones. But I think Edwards was a great pick and will add a lot to a team that I don't think will be very good. But we'll see how it plays out. Like you said, they're 2-0. and um, But I, I just I don't love that team, but I think it'll be a good place for him to kind of get his and get his feel for his career and we'll see if something special can be built but yeah but I, I think I, I'm less optimistic I think um when you look at those three the the what jumps out is offense right away Definitely. so um I think as far as when you look at the team and they'll be okay when it comes to getting points but if you're looking at defense then they might struggle there and then the, most of the time when a team struggles on defense that doesn't translate to a lot of wins so if they are able to sort of get some pieces around them that can uh, fortify that that end of the end of the court and you know just uh, boost their defense a little bit, I think they might they might be able to put something together. Um, obviously, maybe them them three alone won't be able to to carry a team like that. But um, if you can get the right pieces around them, I think they can um, maybe uh, not be the the top of the West, but be a consistent playoff team for for a few years time will tell time will tell with the timberwolves um so that was your least no no that was sorry that was your most impressive so now that we talked about the most impressive um who do you have as the least impressive rookie so far uh my my guy who i've been least impressed by is killian hayes he went seventh overall to the pistons who is obvious who are obviously a dumpster fire of a team um but He's a point guard, he's a lead guard, and he was picked seventh and kind of given the keys to the, the franchise. You know, they handed him the starting role right away. You know, everyone's talking about how Derrick Rose is taking him under his wing. You know, it seems like this is their point guard of the future. All these phrases we love to hear. And he was very hyped as well on uh, some mock drafts for fans of the ringer. He was number one on their draft big board. Number one on the big board. And he's looked terrible. Uh, preseason, he was not good shooting. Uh, really some inefficient stat lines. 
And in the first two games of the regular season, the Pistons are 0-2, which I don't think is his fault. The Pistons are terrible. Not surprising. I mean, yeah, like, like I said, dumpster fire. <laughs> but he's getting 20 minutes per game and starting. 20 minutes. In 20 minutes, he is averaging five points, two and a half assists, Yikes. three turnovers, and a negative PER. This man is not ready to be a starting point guard, and he might not even be ready to be a contributor. But what worries me the most is that that slash line tells me he's not aggressive, he's not, he's not attacking, he's not leading the offense. What worries me the most is someone who is projected as a good shooter off ball screens and sidesteps. And, you know, I, I heard a lot about his great free throw percentages and projectable stroke. He is slashing 30% from the field, 20% from three, and 50% from the line. I, don't, I think one of the things that you have to take into uh, consideration is where he ended up. I mean, it sort of seems that, and it sounds like the the Pistons just sort of threw him in there. Like you said, he's getting 20, right. 20 minutes a game. If you look at the top three picks, I don't think they're starting. So, um, so you disagree. You think he should be coming off the bench. I do. Along. Right. You think they're mismanaging right. the situation. And um, I think... Because of the the roster makeup, I guess they have no options. But that is where I see his uh, sort of misfortune. That if he would have ended up in a team that was sort of going to ease him into it, right. you got to remember he's coming in from overseas. Right. So, and I think one of the things that you see a lot of these uh, rookies struggle with, other than I, I mentioned um, Wiseman coming in and just li- uh, lining it up. Right. But uh, the offensive side of the ball. Um, and I think that sort of goes into, uh, not to cut you off there, but no, my, my least impressive, um, the, my pick for least impressive, I'm going to have to go with um, LaMelo. And I'm just, Interesting. Similar I might, situation. Yeah, Similar I might, situation. I might be getting uh, ahead of myself because he did look good as his second game. But if you look at the first game, he had zero points, um, I think zero rebounds, one assist, and three turnovers. He came in off the bench, um, which, I mean, I think is the right thing to do. They, they got uh, Rozier out there still. Yeah, I think still people, Devontae Graham. They've, yeah. they've got a solid backcourt for an underwhelming team. Those two are not – no no slouches in the backcourt. Yeah, I think I think people forgot that they had those guys back there when uh, when LaMelo was drafted. But well, the, the thing that sort of is highlighted to me is such a, a drastic change in, in – um, in play from one game to another, what that tells me is that he's not consistent. Right. So, and that's one of the things that we we saw with his brother, uh, Lonzo. I think he's had some games when he shoots the ball well and others where he just puts up a stinker. So right. that's sort of um, putting up a red flag for me there. He was a third overall pick, so I sort of was expecting to see uh, something, something more. He, and he looked good during preseason. Uh, I mean, there was just videos everywhere of this guy's uh, right. passes and stuff. Right, he was beloved on NBA Twitter. Right. I, I think it's a similar situation. Hayes and Ball, just not not necessarily ready, and I think a lot of this can also come back to no summer league, no preseason, yep. very few practices. All these rookies, I know we're doing, you know, least impressive. We're We're, we're part of the problem because it's, you know, they need a little extra time because they... They don't get the normal setting for an NBA yeah, season. Yeah, this has never the happened before. The normal lead-up, yeah. 
There's always summer league. There's always preseason. There's always a bunch of practices. So it's, it's going to take this rookie class, which was already not very impressive, a little bit of extra time. There hasn't been a ton of news in the NBA the first couple weeks, but a storyline that has kind of been going on these past few weeks and still is continuing is the James Harden saga. What do you think of the whole situation with James Harden in Houston? Uh, I think there's a lot that goes into that. Um, one, uh, the shortened offseason. A lot of the times we see some of these guys that want to get traded, they at least have a, a block of time where they can express... I agree. Yeah, where they can express their um, them just not being happy where they're at anymore and, and you know, try to work something with the team. But be, because we only had a few weeks in between the end of last season and then this season, right. he's sort of trying to do that as the season begins, right? right. So you see him out at parties with uh, with rappers. And yeah, a little he's, baby. He uh, gave him a, a generous gift, a generous gift <laughs> for his birthday. It's nice to see. He's out in... Uh, in uh, he's out in Vegas uh, doing, uh, what is it, stripper parties or whatever. Yeah, he had a, he had a Christmas-themed <laughs> stripper party. Yeah, so he's doing whatever he needs to do to sort of get traded. But obviously the Rockets are not going to just trade him just because they, they want right. to get something in he's return. He's too good. He's right. too good to just ship away. So he shows up to... Uh, to, to back to he, he reports back to the team and he, he has to go through the COVID protocols that sort of delays uh, him being on the court. And um, he comes in and he's obviously, I mean, people can tell he's overweight. He's he good is. 15, 10 pounds overweight. Looking heavy. But guess what? He lights it up. 44 points, 17 assists. And a lot of people are harping on the last second turnover. Who cares? He is still doing it big time. Emphasis on the word big. He's well, looking heavy while he's doing it. I think it's like something we've just come to expect from him. He he doesn't seem to really care what people are saying. He's just out there hooping, and when he's doing that, he's he's unstoppable. Obviously, you'd like to see him have sort of more more of an intensity when it comes to the playoffs, because it seems like he sort of that's sort of when he loses that. Um, but I mean, I don't there. There, there, he's also a guy that just might not really care about uh, championships or any of that. He just wants to, you know, one of those guys that wants to get his money, he wants to play and, and then uh, do his thing, which is what he's been doing. I, I don't know if doesn't care about championships, but I see what you're saying. He doesn't care what you and I think. I think he just knows he's passionate about basketball, likes basketball, but it's, it's part of his life, and he knows he can be great with or without what – us as fans see as the usual dedication or commitment. He is dedicating commitment, committed to the game, on his own schedule. And I like what you said about it's a reduced time frame. Yeah. Because I think in a like you said, in a regular off season, this might have been able to happen a little, you know, a little smoother. But the the Rockets are still trying to figure out who they can get. You know, they're calling other teams, seeing offers. I don't expect Harden to be on the team at the end of the season, but he's too valuable of an asset for them to rush this process um, of of searching for a trade partner and getting something out of it. And I just think that they will take the time they need to make sure they get a good return on one of the game's best players. Right, and if he's coming in and doing what he's what he did this first time, the first time he was back on the court. 
I don't see why the rocket the Rockets would rush it. You know, right. it, it doesn't. I mean, you could he could be unhappy or whatever, but as long as he's winning games for the team, right? I mean, what do they care? He's right. still bringing greatness to the court, and that means they're not gonna rush any sort of trade because he's still doing what 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 they need him to do because he is that great of an offensive player. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, just Harden being who he is, I don't think this something like this is. Uh, such a big surprise. Obviously, you don't like to see it, but um, I I like to see it. I think it's <laughs> I think it's funny. It gives her good content, and he's supporting local businesses. And really, uh, you know, besides the the COVID protocols, which is concerning. You know, it is right. a pandemic, but the NBA is not just going to let him on the court. He has to get tested and quarantined. So let let this man support some local Houston businesses. I think uh, you know. Everyone's going through a tough time in the pandemic, <laughs> and we all need to support some small businesses. Um, so that wraps up Harden news. Our, the next piece of news is Larsa Pippen. And for those who don't know, that is unclear if the ex-wife or separated wife of NBA legend Scottie Pippen, who's been uh, making some waves in NBA Twitter because she was dating or was seen with Malik Beasley while he was still with his girlfriend and or fiance and or wife. And then, interestingly enough, we see Black Sports Online, a popular website on Twitter, posting that she had messaged Bronny James, who, need I remind listeners, is 16 years old. And... This was all stemmed from him liking one of her Instagram photos. So really an interesting saga <laughs> of, of lots of levels of, you know, the basketball and also NBA Twitter and celebrity. What are your thoughts on all this, Alan? I mean, I don't think it's uh, NBA news, but I guess it is just because of the people involved. Um, a lot of parties. A lot of parties <laughs> yeah. involved. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, people are getting dragged into this who definitely shouldn't. Like you mentioned, uh, Bronny is—he's a kid. He's sixteen years old. Um, what it what it what it does do is it it makes for for something entertaining. You know, you you, you log I'm on, entertained. Uh, I'm I logged entertained. on Twitter this morning and I saw the 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 topic trending, and I was on there for I don't know thirty forty minutes just right. going through what what was going on, but. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's a very messy situation, and um, I think someone that people are uh, sort of forgetting, and his name is pretty much getting dragged through the mud, is Scotty, man. I mean... I feel bad for Scotty, you know? <laughs> he... We don't he know. has nothing to do with any of this, really. Right. Yeah, we don't know what the what the situation is between him and, uh, and Larsa, but I mean, I'm sure it must not be pleasant for him to go online, and he sees... He thinks, all oh, it's, it must be me uh, trending because all you see is Pippen. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's uh, this lady. But, I mean, it must, be, it must be good business for her, you know? I mean, uh, she's, uh, she's been trending topic for, for the last couple of days. I mean, I'm sure she's been getting hits on, on, on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, um, getting her, her name popping. So, um, yeah, I don't, know what, I don't know what else I got to say about that. It's just kind of a weird situation altogether. I think it's a very weird situation. I did see um, Savannah, who's LeBron's wife, come out and sort of um, lash out at at the people sort of uh, bringing these 
what would you call them even i guess articles or unfounded right, rumors yeah rumors um sort of putting those out and it makes sense i mean like i said he's a kid he shouldn't be involved in anything like this i agree and i uh, i mean i doubt this happened it, it seems like um he's friends uh Bronny's friends with one of uh, Lars's kids so that must be an uncomfortable situation between the the two boys, you it's know. It's gotta so. be. It's so. It's and I saw you know Bronny James saying that you know this is my friend's mom. This is not true. You know that kind of thing. Right. The fact that a sixteen year old needs to comment on this is just terrible. And that's all I really want to add. The other thing I want to add because I feel bad for this young man and I think he's a really impressive young man is Scotty Pippen Jr. So his mom is Larsa Pippen. And all these news and all these articles are coming out. And that's got to be tough for anyone who has their mother in the public eye. Scotty Pippen Jr. is currently a freshman at Vanderbilt and averaging 22 points a game. And that's what we should be talking about. And it's cool that he's doing well and is able to block all this stuff out. I'm sure people are, you know, I'm sure opposing teams are saying some really out-of-line things to him, and he's staying focused and playing really good basketball. And I think that's awesome because he's in a tough situation. I, I wish him the best. So that wraps up news, and we're going to go into King's Corner. So with that said, welcome to King's Corner. Um, this is Sacramento Podcast. You know, Alan and I were going to 20-30 Kings games last year. We're fans of the Kings. And we just want to highlight what's going on with the Kings each week. And, you know, for once, it's some good news. They're 2-0. <laughs> they started the season really strong with a crazy win against the Nuggets. And then another win against the Suns, who, you know, this is not the Suns that we, you know, have seen the past few years. This team with Chris Paul and Devin Booker is a really strong team that's supposed to contend for the playoffs in the West. And as we're recording, the Kings are hanging tough with the Suns yet again, down three with uh, two minutes left. So, Alan, first two games, beat the Nuggets, beat the Suns. What are your main takeaways from those two games? So I think um, these first two games uh, for the Kings, and I, I, I don't know if I'm speaking to, or speaking about the majority of Kings fans, but uh, when when you're talking about me, is I I was not expecting them to come out the way they did. Um, you know when before the season started and and um any of this happened, a lot of uh articles and you know uh people were coming out and saying that the king that they were expecting the Kings to be bottom of the league. You know um bottom of the Western Conference, not not good at all because of the the roster makeup and. You know, just because of what we've seen the past few years, I I mean, I I gotta come, I gotta say it. I I agreed. I I didn't think um, we were gonna do much this season. Um, and I, it's still an early season, so you know anything can happen. What I what I would say that I have liked and what has stood out to me the most uh, during this these first couple of games is just the intensity to which. Uh, at which the the team is playing defense. It's much different from what we've seen these past um, few years. Uh, the team seems a lot more engaged uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which is you know translating into 
fast break points, uh, turnovers, uh, points off turnovers, and all that, all that good stuff. So, I think when it when, when uh when you watch one of these games as we're doing now, uh, they're playing like Matt said they're playing the Phoenix right now. The first thing that jumps to to, the first thing that jumps out is the defense. Um, they started doing this uh thing where they they press from uh pretty much full court, and I don't remember a time where we sort of did that on a regular basis. Um, so it's it's nice to see. Um, the games that, uh, that we've won, uh, these past, uh, uh, the first two games that we've won have been really close games. So it sort of seems like um, there isn't much room for error just because, uh, like I said, they've been close games. The team has been playing really hard. So um, hopefully they can sort of keep this going, but I mean, it's going to be tough. Um, I can see this, if they keep playing like the, like this, I can see this team going 500. I don't, I mean, as of now, we're, we're first in the, in yeah. the West, which is nice. Right now they're going to the finals, but. Right. But like I said, they've been really close games. Um, honestly, that first game against the Nuggets could have gone either way. That was a wild finish. Yeah. Wild finish. And they, I mean, they came out and the, they said that the two minute report or whatever that is, um, there was two foul calls and then, uh two traveling violations that weren't called on the king so you know that might have gone differently if they were but um but whatever the case is it didn't and and we won so um i guess we can just uh forget about that another thing that that i've really liked is um uh De'Aaron Fox um he's come out and he's he's taken command of the team um first game he didn't shoot the ball well but he was he found ways to contribute with uh, defense, I think that was one of the highlights is him having that chase down block towards the end of yeah. the game against uh, Will Barton. Um, but then uh, yesterday's game against the the uh, the Suns, um, he he pretty much uh, took over the game. I mean, he shot the ball well, he passed the ball really well. He locked up um, Devin Booker in crunch time. He did his thing. I mean, that's what we're hoping to see from De'Aaron now because he's he's pretty much our best player. He's he's our cornerstone right now and. And we're hoping for him to make that jump in order for the for the team to to start you know competing and and contending. Um, we're hoping that you know we can get a little bit more output from from Bagley. But for the time being, De'Aaron's doing what De'Aaron does, and and that's that that's sort of enough right now. Um, another thing that I've really liked and I've been really pleased with is um, Halliburton's game. I think he has been as advertised. He's come out. He's a really smart player. He has um, he has really good instincts for the game. He's a really good playmaker from what I've seen. Um, the only thing that I would say I I'm hoping he can sort of not tweak but uh, emphasize is him being more aggressive on offense. I've seen him pass up a lot of shots, and De'Aaron Fox himself has come out and said that he he hopes that that. Um, Tyrese can come out a little bit more aggressive. Um, he we've seen him knock down shots, so I don't know if it's because he's still sort of getting used to running with these guys and right. how how he sort of fits in in the offense. But I I sort of hope to see him you know taking taking more more risk on offense. But otherwise, I mean, I have no complaints about him. He's he's been really solid. And even though you know the if you look at a stat line, it, it's not going to be great. You know. Um, I'm sure he's like getting like five or six points a game. I just want to add to what you're saying about the stat line because Tyrese Halliburton has done, I think, an amazing job in these first two games. 
without crazy impressive stats. Like you're saying, he threw two games, he's averaging seven points, four and a half assists, and uh, is only slashing 36 from the field, 25 from the line, mm-hmm. 100% from free throw. But he's playing 28 minutes per game, and when you watch, he's making all the right you know, rotations and on defense and making all the right reads on offense. And what I love is the four and a half assists to only .5 turnovers per game. He's played 56, his first 56 minutes as an NBA guard, he has one turnover. And that just really highlights his IQ, his feel, his just great understanding. Uh, reminds me of another Iowa State guard, uh, Monte Morris, who was their lead guard before Halliburton. And he's led the led college and then the NBA in assist turnover ratio. I think his senior year was something like five or six to one assist turnover ratio. Uh, and especially with Fox, who is aggressive and attacking, but sometimes a little out of control. Mm-hmm. It's great to have that guard who's going to make all the right decisions, all the right like in-between plays, maybe not the assist, but the hockey assist, maybe not the rebound, but the tip for the rebound. Right. I just love all the things he does on the floor. And like you said, when he gets a little more aggressive, you know, can start to pick his spots a little more, can, uh, can I, I, increase the offensive output, he's going to be great. I don't think he'll ever be uh, one of those, like, 20-point scorers. I agree. Uh, 20 points a game type of player, but we don't need that from him. You know, if he if we're sort of planning on building the team around Fox, um, Bagley, and then Halliburton, I don't think we need him to, you know, take take over on offense. We sort of need a guy that, like you said, is going to manage the game and is going to um, make the people around him better without him having to be a focal point on offense. Another guy I want to highlight, and he's sort of um, – he can be one of those guys that can be the the butt of the joke or, or whatever, but he's had uh, – I think he's had a, a pretty big impact on the on the team thus far. Um, has been Hassan Whiteside um, from the the past years watching the Kings. I've been a Kings fan for pretty much all my life. I don't remember ever having a guy that anchored the defense like he does, because what I see now is you have a guy that. Um, people that are driving in, they sort of run away from because. It's pretty much a guaranteed block shot. He's such a big dude that even if you come up and try to create contact against him or whatever, you, you're not going to get the shot off. He's just he's given us a, a really different look. He's a good rebounder. I sort of still cringe when I see him try to try anything on offense. <laughs> That's but, very true. That's very true. But I, I don't think I was expecting um, what I've seen from him thus far. And I, I've been really pleased with, with the team as a whole. Um, I think if I were to look at any of the weaknesses and maybe an area where the Kings might want to look to improve is um, at the five on with the starting lineup. They have Rashawn right now, but he sort of struggled with foul trouble and turnovers. He's sort of undersized, I think, for, for the five role, and he's had tough matchups first couple of games. I mean, they had him against Jokic. That's tough. <laughs> and then now against Aiton, two much bigger guys. Right. That's so, tough. It's going to be tough for him. He's he's a classic overachiever. You know, Rashawn yeah. Holmes he's does guy. so much with what he has. He is not highly skilled. He's not a, you know, he's bouncy, but he's not a freak athlete as far as, like, quickness or explosiveness. 
you know, he's not huge. He's 6'10", pretty thin, but he gets a lot out of what he has. But like you said, there's some matchups where it doesn't matter how much heart or energy you have, you're going to get a little overwhelmed. Yeah, and the thing is, is if we have him and Bagley at the four, we're undersized. That's very true. You know, so um, I think that's what sort of highlights that big difference between them two and then when, when Whiteside comes in, it's completely different. It's a different look. But I also don't think Whiteside should be starting. <laughs> so Yeah, the, the, my thing with Whiteside is I, I liked what you said about him anchoring and being that presence in the middle. But that goes both ways in that is he kind of this big paint clogger on both ends of the floor. And that's the concern um, is that on offense, you know, when you've got Fox trying to knife into the lane, is Whiteside clogging it up? And we'll see. So far it's been, you know, Luke's found the balance, you know, keeping him on the floor as well as taking him off. But it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of work that balance or he can clog it up on defense but not muck up the offense Right. Uh, with with kind of his lack of outside shooting and also his size. Yeah, and, and another guy that I I mean, there's just a lot of the things going right for the team right now. So I think there's just a lot we can talk about. But one of the other things that I wanted to mention is uh, Buddy Heald coming into the season. We didn't hear many pleasant things coming around coming from Buddy's camp. You know, he he was looking for a trade, didn't get one. But I mean, he's looked um, solid to me. Um, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well this past game, but what I, what I have seen from Buddy this season is that whenever he, he hasn't, his shot hasn't been falling, he's looked for other ways to contribute, which I really liked. And he's cleaned up um, his, his turnovers so far. Last year, we, it was pretty much a guaranteed turnover if you, give him, if you let him dribble the ball up. Yes, court. very true. So we haven't seen much of that this season, which is very, it's, it's a very good, it's a very good sign for Buddy. Um, I mean, I, I, oh, for a while I was hoping he, he was getting get traded, but I agree. But, I was, I was fed up and I might still be in that camp, but like you said, he's starting the season. Well. Right. And with, like I said, with everything going right, like the team is winning with small margins. So if you move anything here or there, that might, you know, cause there to, you know, just the team to go on a, on a little losing streak or whatever, which. Hopefully that's not the case, but um, hopefully the team can, can keep doing what they're doing. And, uh, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm pretty pleased with the team thus far. Um, like, like Matt said, we're, we got a close one here with, with Phoenix again, so hopefully they can pull this one out. Uh, and we'll be sitting at the top of the Western Conference. Let's get it. Yeah, 3-0. <laughs> that's what we're going for with this win. Um, so that pretty much wraps up our podcast. We'll add in any thoughts, you know, we may add in a segment after, uh, this game. If anything crazy happens, that's our first episode of the week. Um, and we're going to be trying to do this every week. We're going to look at the schedule each week, try and pick either a Kings game or a marquee NBA game, like Alan was saying. And we're going to give you our thoughts and we hope you keep listening. If you are listening, thank you for listening. This has been River City Podcast.